Welcome to the Collingwood Rant. I'm Sly. And I'm... It's either concussion or I'm disease-free spook. Spook? Yes! How happy you are you for us to have won our 16th flag on Sunday? Do you know, I've got the feeling you've asked me this question before. <laughs> well, I ask it every week, I've got the I? feeling that you're going to ask me a whole bunch of questions I've already answered. Yeah, so... the previously unrecorded version of the rant. <laughs> so... Meanwhile... The 16th flag against the might of North Melbourne. The 16th flag, you say? Yes. According to the supporters, that's what's happening. Our supporters? Yeah. They're not going off too early, are they? It's not like... Maybe a little bit. It's not like they have history of doing this, do they? No. no. Not at all. No. So we played North... Are we in September yet? Almost. Oh. Played North 4-3 to 0-3 in the first quarter. 7-5 to 2-8 by half time. So game's effectively over. I mean, I know... Games can turn around really quickly, but it is North Melbourne. Third quarter, we kicked six goals free. They kicked 2-1. We got up to about a 52-point lead, I believe. And then just sort of went to sleep a little bit. Yes. And? (laughs) Well, thanks for watching. Um, How how do you feel about it? Like, we dominate the game, dominate North, probably could get a percentage boost and win by 25 goals. And we've sort of gone, yeah, you know, let's like play a little bit of tempo. There's almost two things with this. One's a little bit annoying to say, but I don't think McFly goes out there with the intent of destroying sides. I think there's a whole lot of things that, that we try and tick off that we want to achieve in a game, and they're more important than the, the end score, especially at this point in the season, and maybe you can explain it to our watchers. Um, four points is probably what you're after at this time of the year margins probably aren't really factoring in. Look, it, it comes as a useful boost at the at the, the end of the season if you've got a, a hefty percentage at times. But at the moment, we're sitting three games clear of the end of the four. Um, you're in a, in, a, in a very good, stable position. I don't think at this stage you're going to go out and destroy sides, even though I would love it. I think we probably should have stitched Carlton up because that's just who they are. Um, I think everyone expected us to belt North out of the park. I know it's a little bit of um, I mean, I guess the injustice is, to, to North yeah. to, a, to a certain extent. Yeah, I guess the relief is it wasn't a close game like last year, so they... No, but I think we were contem- uh, contemplating. <laughs> I think we were content just to keep them at arm's reach as well. Um, McFly mentioned in his presser, um, and I feel like I've mentioned this already once before, um, that we shifted a few magnets into different positions this week. So clearly there was a little bit of trialling going on. You had McCreary on the ball there for a while. You had um, Bobby Hill pushed up and along the wing. How did you know I was going to say that? (laughs) This is like Groundhog Day again. Um, So yeah, I think you, 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 you afforded the opportunity to experiment a little bit which at this time of year against that sort of opposition, it's not a bad luxury to have. It's obviously, you know, it, the easy thing I think would be to, to say, stick to your predictable structure and just go out and smash aside. But if, if, if you're going to win and you're happy with the four, at least you could dick around a bit and try some stuff that's uh, a little I'll, bit different. Also, Mr. McRae, coming out of that Brisbane dynasty 0102-03, they, I don't, off the top of my head, I don't think they ever finished first in that period. For them, it was just like, we just need to get top four. Preferably, we'll get a home game. But if we don't, we'll win and then, you know, do the rest. And even in 203, they lost the first final to us. And then they got sent to Port Adelaide or whatever the fuck it was. Um, And they ended up winning. So, for him, it was just like, put us in contention. 
or for Matthews, just let's get us in contention and then we'll do the rest on the day. So I can see like what you're saying, McRae, it's not about smashing teams. It's just about banking the four points. Side bottom 300th, went off with a knee injury, really disappointing. He lasted 12 minutes or something, I think. Yeah. It's, uh, it was amazing. Yeah, look, um, innocuous tackle. Um, just I think his leg was obviously twisting the wrong way and the uh, the medial ligament was either Although I do, or, I do um, wonder with stuff like that, whether it's not just what happened on the day, but it's sort of an accumulative thing where... Just over time, it's like, well, it's going to go at some point. Uh, Do you know I feel a little bit responsible for this? Because um, what? You... Well, before the game, I, the, the the club put up the footage of him leaving his house and the, the neighbours all got round and made a banner for his car to drive through and all that sort of thing. And he's got out at uh, some point and gone and talked to them. He's given them hugs and shaking his hands. And it had been raining, I think, and it was looking a bit wet. I remember thinking, wouldn't it be a shame if he slipped in the gutter on, his, uh, on the way to... Um, but then again, um, he didn't need to because uh, things happened. To go, he played a beast of a game. He did, didn't he? He'd probably have to be, you know, up there in the top five players in the league oh, right definitely. now. The, the, the thing I love about the at the moment is he's just really flying under the radar in terms of the the notice that he's getting. The media have just lived the the Dacos thing yeah. for pretty much the whole season, and he's been. Quietly achieving. Well, the guy was doing it last mode. year. Yeah, the guy was doing it last year until the Bali thing. I mean, he's playing really well, and then it took him a little while to get back into the swing of things after that. Um, but you know, we've talked about this previously that when he plays as a forward, you notice him because he's doing a lot more spectacular things. As a mid, he's just doing the bread and butter things over and over and over. So he's not standing out as much, particularly when you got like Nick, as you said, Nick Davos there taking some focus away from him. Yeah, that's interesting. McFly um, made mention that um, he'd been playing that hybrid sort of midfield role, so a bit of time up forward, a bit, bit of time in the guts, and clearly he's built the tank up to the place now where he needs to be and he can stay in there. And he's, he's certainly reaping the rewards. Yep. Um, Drew Ford kicks a goal every now and then. Nick Dagos, a little bit quieter lately, even though he's getting the numbers on the board. Doesn't seem as consistently damaging. He's still um, consistently good, though. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if my expectations are just way too high, but it feels like, I think it was the Adelaide game, I saw him on the bench, he was getting a lot of work on a calf, so I don't know if that's impacted him anyway. Like, he's obviously still getting numbers, he's still doing some really nice stuff, but he doesn't seem as consistently incisive as he was previously. He's probably getting a lot more notice since Adelaide uh, tagged him with Sill from the Sopranos. No, sorry, it's Ben Keyes. Sorry, same hairstyle, got confused. Uh, and then Sydney you, just... Uh, hey, you want me to... <laughs> You want me to take him out? That's really bad. That's a really bad one. Yeah. Sydney... Uh, can, I, can, we, can we cut that out? No, another no, crack? no, that's staying. No, we're not, give, we're not really me, doing anything. Give, <laughs> give me four more months. Sydney outright just fucking... What they did was the scratch. Monstered him. Yeah, well, illegally monstered him. With big hairy paws. Yeah. So, and... I think he still had like a 40 possession game in there but it, against GWS, but it wasn't like a really sort of... You know, he's had 40 possession games where he's kicked goals and that you just think this guy, kid's killed him. But that one seemed a lot more... There was still... Gary Ablett, <coughs> junior There were still some really good moments of pure Nick Silk. And you, you wonder whether you just take some of that stuff now for granted because it's just what he's really capable of doing. Like, there was there was a moment um, where he's he sort of released the ball up back and next thing you know, the, you know, the camera's oh, tracking... Oh, yeah, kept running. I didn't go to the game. He's tracking um, the, the ball movement, and all of a sudden he's, he's taken a mark inside 50, and he's, he's, he's goal from that. And he's just run the full length of the ground. You think for that age, to have that much of a tank and to have that much of awareness of what you're going to be and where you can be is incredible. 
Um, I think, you know, what sort of quieted the game a little bit, there were some real uncharacteristic turnovers during this game, and um, he wasn't on his own. I think some of our um, field kicking was, was, was fairly average at times, but I think a lot of that's to do with the, 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 the lack of urgency that was in this particular game. There was no sort of intense pressure, and I think they sort of ended up being a little bit lax with some of the ball yeah. movement and some of the way that they were uh, utilising skills because you just didn't have that, that sense of rush that you needed to be in or that they're, they're normally in. Um, so I think a lot of that stuff was a little bit wayward, but yeah, you know, look, I'm I'm more than happy with him at the, at this stage. I think he can have his quiet weeks, which still ends up with uh, with the high possession count. Well, Josh Davis had a really good game, kick three goals from the wing, which you know for a midfielder, that's in, it's not a bad return for a wingman. How many wingmen no, kick really, three goals? Yeah. Well, I mean, Carlton would be killing to get a midfielder who kicks goals. They'd be moment. killing for anything that could kick. <laughs> yeah, kick a goal. That's a good point. Uh, Taylor Adams quandary. He's uh, Mr. 50-50 at the moment, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, you can have the good and you can have the bad all in one uh, tasty morsel. Um, look, some of the stuff he did was sublime. When he when he drops his head and, and, and sort of obviously kicks with intent, he's he's looking beautiful. But, geez, some of his clangers are, and turnovers yeah. are, are horrible. Yeah, I mean, I think he... Technically, his kicking seems okay, you know. But um, I think he tends to overestimate his ability... At times, it's like he's going to go for you a kick. You overestimate their chances. Yeah, there you go. Uh, but he'll go for passes where I think, look, let Nick Dacos go for that pass. You go for the sort of yeah, simple thing. The pinpoint position yeah. ones where you're, you're picking out one bloke and a sea of yeah. four. Um, you know, and there's sometimes he goes to things where I think you don't have that distance on your kicking. Why would you go for that? But, you know, the other stuff he does is really good. He's fanatical at the ball. He's very defensively minded. He, can, he does actually kick a goal here and there. I think he's generally a pretty good leader too of the club. I think he's one of those guys that goes in and, I mean, sort of like after milestone goals and that he's one of the first in, you know, and keeping the morale up and all that sort of stuff. So, but the thing is, the other side of his possession, is he possessed? No, there was that comment you talked about that he'd lose the grand final one day. <laughs> yeah, that was in the uh, in the speeded up version that we ended up recording. Yeah. Uh, no, I did read on um, one of the Collingwood forums. Um, someone made a statement, and I don't think it's any I recognised before. It's one of those people that just like to see go and stir things up. What they called trolls or something? Like the AGM group. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the the statement was along the lines: he's going to cost us a flag one day. So not only are our supporters at the moment overreacting about... Um, Winning flags, we're, 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 we're going to lose them. Yeah, that's right. We're already plotting the, the losses because you, know, you can't have one without the other. It's the, the yin and yang of Collingwood. I think the ratio of uh, Collingwood grand final wins is something like 1 in 14 at the moment. Uh, so uh, they're expensive things for us to get. But um, yeah, it's a strange statement to make. You know, look, at the end of the day, he ain't going to be dropped. He's in your best 22. No best matter 18. What. Yeah. He's he's gonna he's gonna be there week in week out grand final or no so you know it's, it's a stupid comment to make you know you wouldn't drop him because yeah, he's gonna cost you a flag shame. seriously go back go back to the twenty eighteen grand final no I think he was actually one of our best free players it was him uh, the goey and Cox Cox in the second half particularly but like Adams and the goey just kept trying to win the game whereas I think other players were playing to save it so the other players were all trying to kick to McGovern yeah well that's a good point. I made it once before, you know. <laughs> um, Jaden Stevenson, not a Collingwood player anymore, but he played well. Good it? observation. Yeah, hundred. He's played a hundred games. There was an article about like how much he's matured and all that. There was someone posed in Radio Land, I think it was, that how good a player would he be under McRae? And I mean, I think that's partly for whatever reason, development in the previous regime wasn't great at times. 
No, I think he, he would thrive in our current environment. And I think, like, in the lead-up to the sidebottom playing his free agent, there was talks about, you know, him galvanising his career and all that, and they talked about sort of like he had a long conversation with McRae when McRae first arrived. It was like, you know, what's your best position in that? And it was just, I was playing in the wing and I need to concentrate on the fundamental. And it just seems that McRae sort of said, look, we're, we're going to use your best this year. Same with Josh Dacos. It's like, we're going to use your best this year. Whereas previously, they were just being used in really bizarre ways. I mean, I think Sidebottom occasionally came up half back. Josh Dacos is used as defensive half forward. So it seems under this regime, a lot more awareness and expectation about where they're going to get the best out of players. Oh, it's just classic play to your strengths. Why would you do that when you could just kick sideways 58 well, times? Why do you do anything? Because we've got the next 16 flags stitched up. Well, that's true. I mean, the North game, you know, they they did what they needed to do to win. But the really disappointing thing, oh, it's great we're 10-1, but it's fucking May. And, you know, as far as I'm going, June, July, August, and most of September, to get through, that's four months to win a flag. So for fans to really sort of go out there and talk about... Oh, it's overly celebrate a little bit too early. Yeah, no, it's ridiculous. I mean, if anything, 2011 should have taught us all about uh, you know how much you can dominate a season, and then the wheels can fall off at the pointy end more than easily. And that's really interesting. A couple of injuries. Yeah, because in the highlights that the Insta- Collingwood Instagram account showed in the lead up to side bottom 300, there was a goal he kicked against Adelaide in 2012 over there. It was a close game. We just won. Uh, and Paul Ruse was doing the special comments, and he just talked about like 2011. Collingwood played really well, but just toward the end of the year, they started getting injuries and things started going wrong. Uh, and, you know, it just fell away from him really suddenly. So that just shows, as you said, you know, you dominate the competition for four and a half months, but it's that last four to six weeks, which is going to be pivotal. So right now, I wouldn't even say we're flying. I, part of it, I think, it's not a great competition at the moment. No, it's, it's, it's very even. I wouldn't say we're flying either. I think we're just winning. And winning's good. I'll take winning every day of the week. But, you know, McFly has come out and said, too, the same thing, that you know, every week is essentially a learning opportunity. They want to keep learning. They want to keep improving. I think that's the attitude that, that, that they're validly taking internally. I don't think they're all sitting around going, well, fuck, all we're going to do is just go out there and, and we'll win um, next couple of months. Don't even think about it. Don't bother training. It's all a fait accompli that we're going to win the flag this year. Let's just put the feet up and enjoy the ride. Um, I think for supporters, you've got to temper your expectations a little bit. You know, hype the fuck out of it when you're in grand final week uh, and hopefully they actually pull one off. Um, but up until then, fucking history is going to tell you that, that we don't succeed a lot. And having that sort of overestimation at this stage of the season, I find it a bit bewildering. Yeah, I mean, it's not like we're coming off back-to-back flags or anything. And look, the one thing I'll say I really like about McRae is there seems to be a lot of breaking of hoodoos. So the typical Collingwood hoodoos of, you know... Going into this week, you, you still hear from the occasional fan, oh, this is one we'd usually drop. You know, if we go two games clear of Ports or whoever the case is, second at that stage, this is one we'd usually drop. And we didn't. You know, go back to last year, the last round against Carlton. Uh, you know, to, if we won, we got a top four spot. If we lost, we'd probably drop down to six mm. and Carlton would stay in the eight and we'd probably play them again. And that was the final round. That's and that was close. the final round, yeah. yeah. And, and I don't think it's going to be all that different this year. No, either. but in terms of like we won and we knocked them out. Usually that's sort of the thing we don't do. So it seems like they address, I don't know, cultural hoodoos or whatever, and he's 
perspective, I guess, is the best way of putting it, just sort of slices through all the typical Collingwood bullshit. So hopefully it can remain focused, but this stuff coming from the outside actually does worry me if it's going to infiltrate the inside and these guys are going to get a little bit complacent. When I say like a little bit, it doesn't need to be much to drop away. You know, you look at someone like Geelong, they've, pro- they've dropped off only a little bit and they've been grossly exposed now. So A lot of injuries. I mean, that's exactly the point you're trying to make as well. Yeah. yeah you, you lose someone of the ilk of more this year, you, you're in struggle town, I think, oh, by yeah. about 25%. That's a massive hole to cover. Um, you want everyone... And the thing is, I don't think it's a case with a lot of flag wins that you do it by luck or anything like that. It's The, the luck component is that you get through a season fairly unscathed with your injuries. Yeah. 2010 was a classic example. I mean, there's two things. is We, we pretty much carried the a full list of, of top performers into that grand final. I think the only doubtful one was the ball knee injury going in. Oh, ball, yeah. But, you, know, mean, you weren't sure about whether ball, he was going to He had a hamstring. Yeah. He, had a, he sort of limped off with a hamstring against uh, Geelong, but it turned out to be cramped. But that, yeah, which, which was... And that, the only that, that, was was, the early, that was the only question. Oh, the only other one was Presti with a groin, but he they had like a replacement for him in Nathan Brown. No, that's right. But yeah, apart from that, nothing else fucking happened. No. And so that's generally what you want. Every other year it's been some sort of fucking distraction or someone's been rubbed out or somebody's leaving and someone doesn't want to leave. Malthouse, um, there's all these things that can derail the season. That's not so much about what your performance reflects. You know, eleven's a great example of that. That you just need little things to go wrong at the at the pointy end, and and you can collapse. So going forward, Lipinski should come back after the break. Sidebottom will go out, so they'll probably play like a McInnes or someone for him, or maybe they'll even give Ed Allen a look. Um, and it's probably a good game to give out Ed Allen a look given West Coast has you know, got a really young side also. And it's also Ed Allen's home state. Uh, but going forward, you're going to have Lipinski to come into that side and side bottom obviously to come back. And then Frampton or Howe, and I think Frampton's the better choice because I think they just need another big body defender. But then if Howe's fit, you bring him in and who goes out? You have Markoff, Murphy, Noble and Quaynor. I think Murphy is safe because of his intercept marking, although he's a little bit of an undersized defender. But Quainall's safe. I think, yeah, Quainall, I think, is really good overhead. Now, Noble and Markov, they both provide good dash. I like Markov actually a bit better because Markov's just a bigger body there. So, But I know Noble's, you know, highly rated in that. Well, Noble's played, what is he, up to about 80 games or something? I, yeah. think, he's, I think he's even playing games off-season. He's he's just doesn't seem to be, he's ever going to be in contention for being dropped unless he... Maybe strings together six or seven completely horrendous games. I think he's a cog. I think Markov's probably the the sacrificial one, which is it's an incredible shame because I've I've really grown to to yeah. like him. Uh, I just said you, his size is good. His kicking has some serious penetration in it, and he's just really linking up well and and playing well off the halfback. Um, but you know, ultimately. Yeah, some of it's going to have to change because... Well, the other one there, you get down to the other end, you've got McStay. McStay coming in. So and and they aren't going to fuck around with him. They all want him back in for whatever reason. They I mean, I'd rather play Cloxton McStay, but I know they'll go with McStay. I mean, McStay, I think, if he's going to pinch it in the ruck, he's, I don't think he's that good a ruckman. I mean, the other one then is Johnson. Does he, you know, he's just really a highlight reel at the moment. He'll do a few things and then just appear. Yeah, that's a good point. And it's disappointing because, look, I do like him. Um, but he just doesn't do enough. But again, he's another... I mean, he imposes a couple yeah. of... Yeah, it just, he just seems to vanish a lot. I don't think you're going into a granny 
because because you know we're, we're going to win one this year. But going into the, the final, Adams not there. Do you want blokes like that that just may or may not provide a cameo? Uh, I, I think also John, Johnson's really inexperienced. Though. He's only played like well, no, exactly games, right. So. No, you're spot on. Yeah, I don't, look. I don't actually probably keep Johnson in front of McStay unless McStay could you know come back and pro- provide some my check like form. Because the thing of Johnson is he has that X factor which might fucking mark in the goal square over top of the pack. Whereas McStay's not going to do that. Johnson, you know, he's, he's he can do those sort of things that you, you know, the really freakishly skilled can do. And it provides an unknown quantity in the grand final. Whereas McStay, look, he's a solid player, but that's pretty much all he is. And similarly with Cox. Cox, we know, can actually tear apart a game. He, he might have only done it you know, three times in his career or four times, but that's four times more than McStay's done it. So and the thing is too is is, is Miacek's playing a hell of a lot better without McStay in that fourth line. Yeah, and you, you what's because he would what is Mio now? He'd be what third or fourth in the Coleman. Oh, I'd have to be. He's, he's he's kicked what he kicked two or three on the weekend. Um, he kicked three, so he's he's, he's gotten a lot of threes and fours this year, yeah, and, and a five. Do you want to stop that by bringing something else in? Unless he's going to kick the same equivalent numbers, but you know, on on different levels. No, that's that's McStay, yeah. that is. Um, just, it, I don't know. I don't. I well, don't. that's what I said. Like, I mean, he's going to have to provide that really consistent form. Uh, you know, in the ruck, Cox is always going to be a better option. Yep. And Cameron's obviously their preferred ruck, which is they've brought him straight in and thrown him straight into the ruck, but. You know, I, I don't know the way they're going to look at it in terms of, hey, um, we as you said, you know, we've paid all this money for McStay. We've got to use him. Oh, I think that'll be the case. And then on the flip side, in terms of the VFL, you've got Finley McRae, who sort of mauls that VFL level, that standard, but seems to struggle when he comes up, although he hasn't really been given a good run at it. Mm. But you have him, you have Josh Carmichael, again, another one, another good... No, I just don't see Carmichael making it in the in the scenes this year. I'm just not sure what role he's going to come in and fill. Well, I mean, I think bringing Mitchell in has obviously pushed all these guys back behind the queue, and there's probably a little bit of indictment on these guys that they went out and got Mitchell. Um, and then you have, obviously, Ed Allen, and there's someone else I'm missing off the top of my head. Oh, Ruth McInnes. Ruth I don't think Bianco's going to get back in. No, with... but these are the ones that were were, were pinch hitting for yeah. their their um, opportunities that have all completely. All I mean, I think Reef McInnes is the other one, and he's. I think he's Rusko. Probably... See, Rusko, no, because of he's behind Hal and all these other guys. Um, and I like Rusko, but I just don't think he's going to. He, he's so far down the queue there. He reminds me a lot of Goldsack when Goldsack first arrived. In that Goldsack was so far behind the queue, Goldsack probably would have been better off going elsewhere and becoming a mainstay. Like when we got Luke Ball, Goldsack was the guy they tried to offer up and trade. And if he went to the kill, he probably would have played 10, you know, 10 years unbroken. Uh, at Collingwood, he was always behind all the other halfbacks and that we had. Um, but yeah, you got all these sort of guys who were like, you know, still coming up through the VFL and had, don't have a lot of AFL experience. McKinnis, like I was going to say, would probably get the side bottom job, I think. And that would be actually good to get a bit of a look at him. You know, because he's been coming on as a sub only. So giving him a bit more time. But it's interesting that I think, you know, at the start, I thought at the start of the year, that one, that team that starts the year won't be the team that finishes it. There's always sort of guys who come up and replace. You know, you go back to 210. You know, the year started with Josh Frazier, Tarkin, Lockyer, and O'Brien that side. And by and the hitters. end, 
yeah, and by the end of the year, all those guys had been out. out. Yeah, you know, and met uh, and guys like McCaffrey and Blair had come in, um, and I would have said Hoskin Elliott would have had a vulnerable position, but he's been actually pretty good the last three weeks. And we said it before. I mean, because the team's running well and they're clicking, that's bringing him into the game, and he gives them a bit of versatility if there is an injury because he can play down, back, and all that sort of stuff. So it's actually fascinating that you know what, with eleven rounds in and the sides pretty fixed and you can't really see anyone at VFL level knocking the door down no um, and there's certainly performances there that, that, that would dictate you you get elevated but I just don't think McFly wants to mess too much with the side uh, um, I went into the into um, this week and, and probably next week um, thinking that we'd rest a few blokes but clearly that's not going to be the case and he said as much that he's not going to put anyone off to the side. I think he considers making him sub for a week is, is enough. But there seems to be a, a push to to have a settled side that's going to be structured to have a crack at the end of the year and well and truly know where its strengths and weaknesses lie. Um, I don't think he's going to bring anybody in at this stage to have a one or two week game and then go back. Um, you know, you run the risk of, of injuries, I guess. But, you know, look, if all things work and they stay on the park... It's your best chance of, of, of being successful at the end if you do have consistency throughout the season. You know, as I said before, it's no surprise that uh, in, in 10 that you, you had that settled side going in at the end when it, when it mattered and, and without right. any form of distraction. So you look at the 23 who took the field against North uh, Melbourne on Sunday whenever, whenever we played. McStay, uh, Frampton, Howe. Lipinski side bottom, so side bottom is part of that team. So those four would be in immediate senior contention. I think Lipinski is the one who will definitely walk in regardless, because uh, they really like his running and all that sort of stuff. I don't know who's going to go. I think Frampton has to play because they need two big body defenders. As Carlton exposed them for having an undersized okay, Murphy, know, yep. you know, and I think that's a risk. You know, you know, I mean, Port when they're fit, they got like Dixon and Marshall and that. Um, you know, Adelaide's got a Tilthorpe and, and Walker. So the, the, all the sides have sort of, well, most sides have like two key forwards. Uh, and how, I don't, I don't know if, Howe's looked like he aged quite a bit last year. You know, there's times he, his standing leap was just really terrible. And he just sort of seemed to read the play a little bit slow and he's getting on. Now, if he does come back, well, How do you fit him back in there well, with Frampton? The thing is, too, depending on when he comes back, when he came back last year, he was massively underdone and there were some howlers in some yep. of those finals. I just don't think you want that. If well, you want to be serious, you want everybody firing. Well, it'll be interesting if McRae has the... Oh, look, maybe internally they think Howe's fucking flying and he's you know, definitely should come back. But from the outside looking in, he looks like his time might have passed and there might some be better options than that. I, I really think Frampton's a must now in that side. Look, and sometimes you've just got to make those hard decisions. Um, you know, like what you mentioned before with that group of players in 10, the, the Lockyers and, and then whatnot, that you've, you know, you've been faithful servants and you've done everything asked of you, but, you know... There are just better options now. Exactly right. And anyone who comes in at this point now to replace anyone who's really performing well either going to have to meet that level or exceed it. Otherwise, you've made a mistake. Yep. Uh, got West Coast, the White of Met, and the White, the Might of West Coast. Uh, they got like, what, I heard like 25 players to choose from. Is that all? Yeah, then... Do, do any of them play for West Coast? <laughs> um, yeah, they're talking about 
Adam Simpson taking an extended break to get away from the mess that's the season. It's only halfway through the year. Essendon only been in by 10 goals, but, you know, it's still 10 goals. So you'd think we'd win this one relatively easy. Like we're going to roll north relatively easy? Well, we did roll them relatively easy. Um, so we're going over there. Um, I believe they're, they're bringing back some, some aging superstars. Josh Kennedy coming yeah, back. Jakovic is coming back. Glenn Denning. Yeah, Gollum. Gollum's coming back. Who's that? Phil Matera. Phil Matera. <laughs> Have we done all this before? I can't yeah, remember. Yeah. Uh, so what's your tip? Uh, West Coast by 10 goals. So, Home ground advantage. Oh, so Colin would buy... 76 points. Hmm. Do you think we'll uh, we'll do a little bit of uh, experimenting this week? Or we just go over there and uh, aim for the four points and just come home? No, I think he'll want to bank the four points, but if it's if he's confident that he's banked, that he might toss a few players. I don't mind watching Will Kelly for a couple of weeks run around the fence. Uh, you know, especially against West Coast to get a younger team. It... <laughs> Kennedy it, Darling, it, they're probably good for about 10 goals apiece, aren't they? It does sort of worry me... You, this side's playing well, but like I still look at them and think you're really reliant on a couple of guys to be driving that side. And Darcy Moore is the one we mentioned. Um, I think the Goey Mitchell, you know, they're really. It's not just the integral to sort of their own return. I think their presence then helps a lot of other players. You know, like Moore, you take him out of there, then guys like Murphy now who are doing the chop out, suddenly they've got to move off the ranks and be the key defender and shit like that. So I've always believed, like, you know, you have your core players and then the guys around them can be role players but as long as that core's working they all get appreciated mm-hmm. and you take that core out and then either they're exposed or they stand up but like I think you see with a lot of flag sides like if you look at I don't watch a lot of other games but if you look at someone like Geelong I bet if you look at the players who look like world beaters last year there's a handful of them who just look like really average players now that they're struggling yeah, yeah. Any, anyway um, any final thoughts? No, just go out there and win, thanks, Woodsles, and um, bring home the four points. And win the flag if it's not too much trouble. Yeah. And we'll see you next week. Later. Catch. I've got deja vu.